welcome to 30 Days of Terror Day 2. How you do? I hope you enjoyed yesterday's episode. I'm shook already. I don't really... I mean, this was a really not a good idea. This is a terrible idea. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but here we are. We, we said we were going to do it. We've yeah. got to keep going. And I do think people will appreciate it. I've just been... It was a bad idea for us. <laughs> We've got three listener stories for you today. Three? Yeah. Ooh. Story number one comes from Beth. I am and have always been a sceptic. I would never declare that something or other is absolutely not true or real. But I do feel like there is always a rational explanation for things. I'm spiritually sceptical too. I don't personally believe in a god or a goddess. But I can see the value in keeping an open mind and an open heart. About 10 years ago, my late husband and our four children lived temporarily in a mobile home in a little mountain town in Colorado. We had moved from my husband's job and we were renting the mobile home, which sat on the side of a large steep hill. It was a cute little place, a bit crowded, but the kids were still really little, so it worked out for us. You would enter through the back door into a mudroom. The mudroom opened onto a hallway. Almost directly across from the door was a bathroom. To the right was a large bedroom and down the hall was another smaller bedroom. The hallway opened up into the kitchen, which opened up into the living room, and through the living room was the master bedroom. Logically, the three older girls shared the two rooms at the end of the hall and my husband and I shared the master bedroom with the baby. From the day we moved in there, There was something unsettling about the hallway. Something that dissipated as soon as you'd crossed the threshold into the kitchen. As soon as I walked through the door from the mudroom, I would just feel a little bit of fear or unease. Like that feeling when you're in the basement of your grandmother's house, but the light switch is stupidly at the bottom of the stairs, so you've no choice but to run up the stairs. Or like when you were a kid and you'd have to flip the switch and make a flying leap into your bed so your toes didn't get close to the cavernous dark under your bed. It was just like that. Just a feeling that made me rush as quickly as I could to the kitchen. If I were to not give in and rush down the hall, I would feel a growing, sick, dreadful feeling. Even my late husband, who was 100% sceptical of anything spiritual or supernatural, felt it. To him, it felt like seasickness, and he attributed it to the hallway being crooked or offset from the rest of the house. He had a theory that being a mobile home, it just hadn't been placed very carefully, and there was a crookedness that messed with your vision and your inner ear and made you feel sick. Indeed, the seam in the floor at the transition from the hall to the kitchen was a little bit off, creating a sort of ledge. The bathroom was a bit of a focal point for me personally. For one thing, the light in the bathroom flickered. It wasn't constantly flickering, but more often than not, if you were in there for a shower or whatever, it would definitely do some flickering before you'd left, if not for the whole time. This made showering terrifying. I am and was a sceptic, but at night, with a big-ass mirror and a flickering light by myself, it was not fun. We changed out the bulbs, which didn't help. But I don't think we ever mentioned it to the landlord. 
Another big issue was that our five-year-old daughter was having a hell of a time sleeping. This is obviously purely subjective, and I can offer no proof of it, but this child of mine has always seemed like an empath, if such a thing exists. From the time she was a baby, she would cry if someone around her was sad. As she's grown, she's continued to show signs of, if not being an actual empath, being a very empathetic person. She was the only one that was bothered enough to have real problems. She would wake every night without fail, crying and crying and would have a terrible time getting back to sleep. I never had the heart to try and put her back in her own bedroom, considering how that end of the house felt to me, so she would end up in our room every night. The other thing that is probably not important, but I do recall it so I'll include it. I was in the kitchen one day washing dishes and heard, or thought I heard, a voice in my right ear. A male voice. And unintelligible. This could definitely have been my imagination, but at the time it seemed very real. So I was talking with a dear friend one evening online about all of this. She lived hours away, but we'd been good friends for about seven or eight years. She's not as sceptical as me, and I admit I was not as sceptical back then as I am now, and I think has a keener sense of the spiritual. Her mother had been an Episcopalian minister, and she offered for her and her mom to do a remote sort of cleansing on the house. I said sure, why the hell not, because I was fed up with my poor kiddo crying every night, and also of the terrifying showers. They did the cleansing. I'm not sure exactly what they did. I was just told to keep them in mind as they worked. That night, for the first night in memory, my daughter didn't wake up crying. And she never did again. The light stopped flickering. It never flickered again. I felt better in that part of the house. This, of course, could have been because my kid was sleeping better and because the light wasn't flickering anymore. She told me that they had sensed that there was a residual bad energy because of an argument that had taken place between a man and a woman. An argument carried out over the threshold of the bathroom in the hallway. This made sense to me in some strange way. I felt much more comfortable believing in residual energies than actual ghosts. The incident didn't change my scepticism. I'm still convinced that 99% of the time, things seem to have some paranormal or spiritual source. They are just in fact being taken out of context, and that a very simple, logical, scientific solution exists. But in this particular case, yes, it could have been a case of a crooked house making us nauseous, and it could have just been bad wiring, and it could have been a phase of bad sleep. Or maybe it was something under or in the house that was emitting infrasound. Everything comes together pretty cleanly in my mind on this, though, and the timing of things was just too uncanny. I don't know. I guess I just believe in residual energies, if nothing else. Suspicious. Suspicious. I mean, not in a, like, I don't believe her way, just in what is... That energy was obviously interfering, wasn't it, with things, like, in a a negative way. It's not... When I think about residual, I feel like it's kind of stuff moving about, you know, like people walking through or conversations or stuff like that, where it's 
doesn't do anything. It doesn't impact. It's just whereas there. this is feeling based. Where this is yeah, it's feeling based and it impacts something. I'm not sure residual. I don't think it is residual. It's not, it doesn't sound very nice, but at least it resolved itself in the end. I didn't like. I, I liked her husband's explanation for why it made him feel seasick in that it was built at a slightly different angle to everything else. Because that is something that would be that would cause you to feel that way without if, even realizing yeah, it. Yeah, without even realizing. So like, I like the logical explanation of that. But there must be something about that area that doesn't sit right, doesn't it? And our second story today comes from Celine. Back in the day, my grandparents, my mom, and our two siblings moved into this gorgeous old Victorian home in a small town in Ontario, Canada. My grandparents were chefs and turned the downstairs into a gorgeous little restaurant since the house was quite large. It was called Jaffrey's since that was my grandfather's name. Apparently, my mom and her sister always got funny feelings when they lived there, and they were all in their late teens when they moved in. Weird energy, weird sounds, etc. My mom told me that at one point, my grandparents closed the restaurant for a couple of weeks for their vacation. Everyone was out of the house that one night, and my mom decided to stay home. My mom was kind of a sceptic, but this night changed everything to make her think otherwise. She was sound asleep and suddenly woke up to extremely loud thumps under her bed. She ignored it until it got to the point where her bed started to move. She said it honestly felt like someone got a hammer and was hammering as hard as they could under her bed. She ran into my grandparents' room to sleep in their bed for the remainder of the night. When she told my grandparents when they got home, they didn't believe it and they just said it was the house settling. This was the most intense thing that she experienced in that house and my aunt told me she experienced some things as well. Now this is where it gets weird. I've known about this story for a while now. However, my grandfather passed away over three years ago and ever since his passing, I've experienced constant dreams about this house. I don't know why, because I've only ever been to the house once since they sold it when I was very young. For almost a year, I've had the dreams about this house, and it was so weird to me. Sometimes the house would look different, or it would be in a completely different setting, but it was always the same house in my dreams. There's one thing that stayed the same in all of the dreams, and it was me trying to search for something. I didn't know what the fuck I was searching for, but I was determined to find it. The feeling was always creepy, eerie, yet somewhat calm and comforting at the same time. Another thing that was strange in these dreams that stayed the same was a sad-looking woman who would sell things. It didn't make any sense. But she had her own room selling odd objects. I ended up telling my mom about the dreams and she thought it was really strange yet interesting. When I told her about the lady she said that was super weird because my grandmother had a little gift shop in the house selling her art and frames that she made. That weirded me out because I didn't know about that whatsoever. My mom thinks I should just go in and ask the people who work there to take a look around the house one day. I ended up doing some heavy research about the house and apparently it was once a bank back in the late 1800s. 
I also found out that because it's a bed and breakfast, a lot of people who stayed there brought up the fact that their door handles would start rattling a lot at night and would complain. They ended up getting paranormal investigators to come in and it was said that they spotted two male spirits in the house. Since it was a bank back in the day, at the end of the night the bankers used to make sure every door was locked in case someone would break in. So perhaps that is why the door handles would rattle. To this day, it's said that a lot of people still hear the doorknobs rattling and get strange feelings, especially in one of the bedrooms. I haven't had any dreams about the house lately, and I know dreams are super fucked up at times or it's your subconscious, but it was so strange to me. That is really strange because I only went to the house once. Such a weird sort of... To have so many dreams consistently about somewhere you've only been once, even if it is a place that was had happy memories and it was like with your family and stuff, it's still strange. Like, yeah, I think it's it still is really strange. Once. Yeah. But the bed moving, nope. Rattling handles, nope. It's very poltergeist energy, isn't it? Yeah, I would shit mm. myself. Hmm, interesting. Also, in my notes, I've written Trump's under the bed rather than thumps under the bed. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> There's two ways you could read that. <laughs> yeah. The president is under your bed, <laughs> yeah. or somebody is farting under yeah. your bed. Yeah. Either Equally way. Quite terrifying, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, either way. Particularly if it's me doing the farting. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one more story for you today. Okay. And story number three comes from Jacob. <gasps> Jacob? Oh my God, imagine if it was like, I had an imaginary friend who was a girl. Yeah, oh my gosh. Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't even handle that. This is a nightmare that I had constantly from the ages of five to 15. But in the dream, I would always be the age of five. My grandfather was an engineer for the state of Mississippi's Department of Transportation. His office was in a small country town close to the man-made lake of Granada. His office had a big gravel pile and pit behind it. As I'm hiding under my grandfather's desk, I could hear and feel something near. The feeling that this thing was giving me was like the sun after a long day of rain. It was constantly calling my name. Its voice was sweet and enticing, but I knew not to go to it. I knew I had to get out of the building, so I went to the only place I could think of, which was the gravel pit. The dream then does a time jump to me in the pit. I look around and I see the dead bodies of my cousins. They were all beheaded and the bodies mutilated. As I was sitting there, in my disbelief, I heard the voice again calling my name. Jacob, where are you? I ran. Not thinking, I just ran. I did something stupid and ran back to the building, into a fellowship hall. As I squeezed my tiny body under a table, I could feel that being again. There was this light and it was so bright. Then the being started to flip tables looking for me. Then I heard it say, Jacob, I've been sent to kill you and all of your family. You are the last on the list. You saw their bodies but not their heads. Soon you will know why. Then suddenly the table right beside me flew up into the air and the light is so bright that it hurts. As the light was right in front of me, the being spoke again. I'm the angel of death. You know my mission. 
and then he lifts the table away. Standing before me is an angel that is at least seven foot tall, covered in the severed heads of my family, mainly around his neck and waist. He is wielding a bronze sword dripping with blood. Then he spoke for the last time. I declare that I, the angel of death, have hereforth completed my mission. And with that last word, he brings his sword and drives it through my chest, and then I wake up. No. That's mad. That's horrible. That's such a violent dream and, like, apocryphal, isn't it? What does apocryphal mean? Like, reminiscent of the apocalypse. Oh, okay. Yeah. I am... It reminds me of that... Do you you ever see that film? Is it Frailty? For Frailty? It's where this dad is like a... He's going around around butchering people with an axe and his kids... One of his kids is, like, in on it. And the other one is like... No, yeah, you show me that one. Yeah, the other one is like, I feel really bad about this. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just going to spoil the whole film if I continue talking. Yeah. But that's what it reminds me of. Yeah. If anybody's seen it. Yeah. I mean, that is... um, To have that same dream multiple times. If Jacob was a biblical character, which he is, but he's not. How do you know he's not? Well, because, yeah, I don't think the Bible's still being written. But Very would, good point. But there would be meaning to that. <laughs> I find it, I find re- like repeated dreams really scary anyway. Yeah. I don't know why brains do that and it freaks me out. I cannot wait until I go to that mansion that I've been to so many times though. Yeah, someday. One day I'll get there and I'll be like, come here, I'll show you the secret passages. You'll know everything about yeah. it. Maybe it's from a past life. Maybe. If you enjoyed this week's, no, not this week's, I need it's to stop not, saying it's that. Today's. Yeah, if you enjoyed today's episode, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of the usual places. Log on to our website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com, where you can find everything that you need to know about us. You can support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash reallifeghoststories, where you can sign up for either $5 or $2 a month and get oodles of extra content. That voice is very close to your creepy ghost voice that you do. Yeah, sorry. I don't know why I'm doing this voice. Okay. I'll stop now. (laughs) And on that note, we shall see you tomorrow. Bye.